The Shack tells the fictional story of Mac Phillips as he tries to make sense of his daughter's senseless death. Based on the book by the same name, which is of course better than the movie, uh, this story deals with a lot of questions about doubt and grief and faith. And in the scene that we just saw there, Mac is wrestling with God. He's talking to God. God is Native American, in case you didn't know that already. Uh, he's wrestling with God about how to forgive the man who murdered his daughter. Now, this is uh, a little bit of a dangerous clip to show you this morning because I don't encourage you to go read or watch The Shack and adopt all of the theology therein. In fact, don't do that. But I wanted to, us to look at this clip this morning because I think it does a good job of showing some of the inner turmoil that each of us have to face when we decide whether or not to forgive someone. Now, the setting of this scene is, is a tragedy. It's horrible, it's awful, it's something I hope and pray that no one in this room ever has to encounter or deal with. But the question that Mac is wrestling with is one that all of us have to address at some point in our lives, and that is, should I forgive someone who seems unworthy of forgiveness? Think about how you've been hurt in the past. Maybe you were involved in an accident or you had a boss or coworker who took advantage of you. Maybe you've been hurt by a loved one or you bear the scars of some family trauma. Maybe something happened to you a long time ago or maybe something bad happened to you this week. Whatever it is, whatever's happened to you, whatever hurt you're bearing, you and I all have to wrestle through this question, should I forgive? Several years ago, my friends and I, we were at church, we were playing football, and we looked at, uh, noticed over at the, the church shed, there was this kid up on top of the roof of the shed. And he uh, wasn't a teeny tiny kid, but he was way too small to be climbing up on the roof by himself. So we all went over to see what was going on to help him down, and as we're talking to this kid, uh, we eventually coaxed him over to the edge of the shed so that I could pick him up and put him on the ground. And as we were talking to this kid, his slightly older brother came up, trying to figure out what we were doing, what was going on, and as I picked the kid on the roof up and set him on the ground, his brother, who thought I was attacking his sibling, I don't know, bit me on the arm. And I'm not talking like glancing blow. I'm talking like full dental imprints, drawing blood, like this was serious. And of course, our parents got involved. Right? I'm standing here bleeding off my arm, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And eventually, they forced this kid to say, sorry. And the more we stood there, the more righteously indignant I got. This kid wasn't sorry. This kid didn't deserve just a slap on the wrist. I'm bleeding. I had to ask myself, should I forgive him? Should I forgive this punk? Now, fortunately for us, Jesus 
offers us some answer to this question of should we forgive in one of his parables. We're talking about parables here at Rooftop in our series called True Storv, I mean, True Story, sorry, True Story. True Story is are all, uh, parables are true stories. They bear with them the lessons and truths of Jesus' teaching. They're lessons for us today about how we should live and act. And the parable that we're going to look at today is found in Matthew chapter 18. Now, you need to know some things about Matthew 18 before we dive right into our parable. Matthew 18 is one of the places in uh, the New Testament where Jesus talks very specifically about the church. In fact, it's one of the few places in Scripture where Jesus himself uses the word church. So Jesus is explaining what life in the church looks like. And then Peter, one of the disciples, he asks Jesus, he says, Jesus, how often should I forgive my brother? Apparently, Peter and his siblings are not getting along very well, so he has to ask Jesus this question. And Jesus responds. He says, not seven times, Peter. That is, don't forgive the kind of normal Jewish expression of fullness. Not seven times, 70 times seven. Now, this is not Jesus giving us a math problem. This is Jesus explaining to us that when we forgive people, it should be without number. It should be limitless. We should forgive people again and again and again. That's what Jesus is saying. So Jesus answers this question from Peter about forgiveness, and then he delivers our parable for this morning, which occurs in the rest of chapter 18. So follow along with me as I read our true story for this morning. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. And he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Now when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to the master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. All right, so this is a parable of debt repayment. There are two servants. They owe money to people. And the first servant, kind of the main character in our story, he owes this big sum of money and he is forgiven that debt by the king, but then he goes out and he fails to repay that forgiveness. And so the king gets angry with him and punishes him. 
And Jesus is using the story as an answer to the question of should we forgive? This is a story about forgiveness. If we ask Jesus, should we forgive? The answer this parable gives is, uh, yeah. But there are some twists and turns, and I want us to really make sure that we're understanding what's going on in this parable. So we're going to dig into it a little bit more. So think with me. The first character that we see is a king. He's a king who's calling all of his servants together to reconcile his books. And the first servant he encounters is this servant who owes him 10,000 talents. Now, a talent is a unit of monetary measurement. And without going into all the ins and outs of ancient weights and measurements and converting those to today, in today's dollars, this servant owes somewhere between three and nine billion dollars. Billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. That's what this servant owes. Now, he cannot, of course, repay this. So the king is going to liquidate his assets when the servant falls before him and pleads with him, please, have patience. I will get you the money. I call this the Han Solo. Hey, Jabba, wait. I'll repay. I'll get you your money. And surprisingly, Jabba, I mean the king, not only gives the servant more time, but forgives his debt. He forgives billions and billions and billions of dollars of debt. Gone. Vanished. No more debt. No more anxiety about repaying that debt. Forgiven. And how does this servant respond to his newfound financial freedom? Well, he leaves the king and he walks out and he encounters a fellow servant, another servant, a servant who owes him a hundred denarii. Again, to spare you the ins and outs of ancient weights and measurements and converting ancient currency to modern currency, this servant owes this huge debt, which is equal to $20,000. Now, $20,000 is some money, right? It's nothing to sneeze at. Uh, It's a significant amount of change. And if you're sitting here this morning thinking that $20,000 isn't a significant amount of money, I need to talk to you about my student loans. But compared to billions of dollars, 20 grand is nothing. It's not a drop in the bucket. And so this first servant, the one who owed billions, encounters this servant who owes him 20 grand, and he attacks him. He begins choking him and demands his money. And the second servant does the exact same thing the first servant does. Please, give me a little bit more time. I will repay you. But, and this is the first twist in the parable, the first servant doesn't extend to the second servant the forgiveness that he has just received from the king. Instead, he takes that servant and he throws him into prison. Now, the other servants, the other servants of the king who are nearby, they're a little shocked at this. They're greatly distressed at what's going on. And so they go to the king and they tell the king what's going on. And the king is mad. He is furious. And he calls the first servant into his throne room and he unforgives his debt. You see, our king is pretty powerful. He snaps his fingers and he forgives billions of dollars of debt. And then he snaps those same fingers again and that debt is back. 
And then Jesus gives us the punchline to our parable. And he says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. In other words, Jesus is saying that it's unforgivable to not forgive. It's unforgivable to not forgive. The first servant, he screws up when he doesn't reciprocate the forgiveness that he's been given. He gets all of this forgiveness from the king and then he fails to pay it forward to anyone else. Forgiveness, very literally, means to forgive debt, to alleviate debt, to cancel what is there. And this first servant, who is forgiven this enormous amount of debt, can't even extend basic forgiveness, can't even show basic debt cancellation to his fellow servant. And the king is clear, that is not okay. It is unforgivable. Do not forgive. Now that might sound a tiny bit harsh, but this actually isn't the first time that Jesus conveys this message about the importance of forgiveness. In fact, earlier in Matthew's Gospel, when Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray in what we call the Lord's Prayer, we encounter this. Jesus says, pray like this. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. God, forgive me in the same way that I forgive other people. Have you ever thought about how dangerous a prayer that is? God, forgive me in the same way that I forgive those other terrible St. Louis drivers. God, don't forgive me when I don't forgive people. That's what we're praying. Right after the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, Jesus doubles down on this. He says, For if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your sins. And so our lesson this morning is pretty clear we need to forgive. It's unforgivable to not forgive. Now, the parables that Matt and Jeremy and I have been walking us through these past few weeks, they've tended to be very apocalyptic and eschatological. They've had a lot to do with the importance of proper preparation for God's coming judgment and the end of the world. And there are certainly undertones of that sort of thinking in this parable, too, especially verse 34 where the unforgiving servant is thrown into prison until he can repay an unrepayable debt. That's, that's pretty harsh. That's, very that's a good reminder of judgment for us this morning. But most of this parable is about ethics. It's about how we should live, how we should interact with other people. And the big ethical message is the church needs to be marked by forgiveness. All of us, as we go through life, we should have no limits to how often we forgive, how much we forgive people, who we're forgiving, and the severity of our forgiveness. 
The church should know that it's unforgivable not to forgive, so we should be a community that is marked with forgiveness and mercy. It's the message of our parable. And it's hard. You don't need me to tell you how hard it is to forgive people. You know how hard it is to forgive people. People who've hurt you, people who've wounded you, people who've hurt you again and again and again. It's hard to forgive people for even minute, seemingly insignificant everyday things, let alone some of the trauma that people in this room have experienced. So what do we do? How can we forgive? How do we forgive those hurts that we're carrying? How do we make sure that we don't become the unforgiving servant? What does forgiveness look like? Someone came up to me after the first service and they said, uh, you didn't cover everything there is to say about forgiveness. Yes, I cannot do that. Maybe if I talk faster. So we're only going to begin to answer these questions today. And we're going to begin to answer these questions by looking at what forgiveness is, according to this parable. And so the first thing that forgiveness is, is forgiveness is a process. It's a process. The kings and the servants in our parable, they didn't just show up, say a few words, and their forgiveness was done. No, it took time, it took energy. They had to make sure that the words they said fit their attitudes and actions. Forgiveness is a process. And it's gotta be real, it's not just something we say, it's gotta be something we do. It's kinda like what we tell our kids all the time. You can't just say those words. You have to mean them. Because forgiveness is not just intellectually knowing something is wrong. Forgiveness is not just covering over something and saying, oh, that's okay. Forgiveness isn't seething in your anger. It's not moping in your depression. Forgiveness isn't acting like things are okay. It's not false grace that pretends like something bad never happened. No, forgiveness names the wrong for the purpose of letting that wrong go. Forgiveness is an act of surrender to God. It's doing the hard thing. It's repaying evil, not with evil, but with good. Forgiveness is learning to let go of the hurt, not as if it doesn't matter, but letting it go and giving it to God so that you can pray for the person who hurt you. Perhaps even pray for blessing for the person who hurt you. Forgiveness is a process, yes. It takes time, yes. And it oftentimes requires forgiving again and again and again. That's what Peter is asking. How many times do I forgive my brother? Again and again and again. And not just for the individual one-off sins that we have to forgive each other for. The process of forgiveness also teaches us that Sometimes those big hurts, those big things that we keep coming back to again and again and again in our lives, we have to continually forgive for those things too. When old wounds cause new hurts, we have to forgive again. That's the process of forgiveness. That's what forgiveness from the heart means. Now that's hard. And it's something we can work towards. And since I want everyone in here to read more books in their lives, I want to recommend this book to you. 
It's called As We Forgive Those. It's short, it's sweet, it's practical, and it's all about how to forgive. How to forgive the big hurts, how to forgive the little hurts. How to come to a place where you can surrender your hurts to God and pray for those who have wounded you. The second thing we need to know about forgiveness is that forgiveness is forgiveness, not forgetfulness. You've all heard this before, forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that forgive and forget is not exactly a Christian idea. The master in our, in our parable here, he does not forget the debt of the unforgiving servant. He remembers all of it. God, God is God. One of the things you need to know about God is God knows everything. God doesn't forget things. God remembers your sin and forgives your sin. He doesn't forget it. And if that's good enough for God, why on earth are we so hung up on forgiving and forgetting? Now, for many of us, the things that happen to us in our lives, they're pretty insignificant, right? Someone offended me back in fifth grade. I need to let that go. So forgiving and forgetting in and of itself is okay, but there are certain things that we should not just forgive and forget. Ongoing habits of sin, abuse, trauma. These are things that we should not forget. We can forgive, yes. We can surrender those things to God. We can pray for the people who have harmed us in those ways, but we don't need to act like terrible things haven't happened. We have to take care of ourselves and take care of the people who we are in charge of, who are our family and our kids and the people that we are leading. You don't just forget everything. This les- Haley and I learned this lesson a couple years ago. Many of you have heard about Larry Nasser. He was a physician at Michigan State University and uh, worked with the U.S. Olympic team. And right now, Mr. Nasser is serving over 200 years in jail for habitually abusing uh, members of the U.S. women's Olympic team. And this was national news for a while, and then Haley and I realized uh, that we knew someone who was participating in this trial. Uh, our Haley and my family's homeschooling growing up, knew some other homeschool families in Michigan, and we realized that someone we had met, Rachel, was participating in this trial. And I want to read to you Rachel's statement from Nasser's sentencing hearing. This is what she had to say to the man who abused her. She said, Forgiveness does not come from doing good things, as if good deeds can erase what you've done. It comes from repentance, which requires facing and acknowledging the truth about what you've done and all of its utter depravity and horror without mitigation, without excuse. I pray you experience the soul-crushing weight of guilt so you may someday experience true repentance and true forgiveness from God, which you need far more than forgiveness from me, though I extend that to you as well. Rachel gets it. 
She doesn't let this evil man off the hook for the evil things he's done. She doesn't act like him just saying he's sorry means he's truly repented. She knows that true repentance is the only thing that leads to true forgiveness. She knows that forgiveness is not antithetical to justice. And at the same time, she offers forgiveness. That is what I'm talking about. Mercy triumphs over judgment, yes, but that does not mean we need to just forgive and forget. And it's at this point we need to stop and we need to ask ourselves what should hopefully be the obvious question this morning, and that is, who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? Maybe not forgive and forget, that's okay. Who do you need to forgive? Maybe it's your spouse, or your fiance, or your ex. Maybe you need to forgive a parent, or a sibling, or an extended family member. Maybe you need to forgive a boss, or a coworker, or a friend. Maybe you need to forgive a pastor or another church leader. Who do you need to forgive? Don't walk out those doors this morning acting like the unforgiving servant, thinking that you don't need to forgive someone. You do. Don't stay stuck with whatever you walked in here carrying today. Don't say to yourself, oh, my thing is too special. My thing is too grievous to forgive. It's not. Who do you need to forgive? A final thing for us to know this morning is that forgiveness is part of becoming like Jesus. Forgiveness is part of becoming like Jesus. You see, we should forgive not just because it's good for us physically and spiritually and emotionally, although people can tell you until you're blue in the face that forgiveness is actually good for you physically, spiritually, and emotionally. We don't just forgive because Scripture tells us to forgive, although Scripture is full of calls to forgive. At the heart of it all, we forgive because that is the example that Jesus has set for us. That while we were still sinners, while we were still beating up our fellow servants, Jesus died to forgive us. And so to paraphrase 1 John, we should forgive because he first forgave us. We should forgive because of how much we've already been forgiven. Jesus is the perfect example of forgiveness. He lived a perfect life. He died a brutal death, not just for the sake of dying, but so that people like us, people who screw up, people who are sinners, we can have life. That is forgiveness. And that is why it is so unforgivable to not forgive. Because we have already been forgiven of so much. 
Jesus has already died to save us from our sin and our selfishness. He has already forgiven us our billions and billions and billions of dollars of debt with God. We've already been forgiven. All we have to do is follow him and forgive others too. The Gospel of Matthew has a lot to say about forgiveness. And I would love to explore all of that with you today. There are something like 13 distinct stories about forgiveness in Matthew, all of which are really important for really understanding what Jesus is saying here in this parable about forgiveness. But I just want to share one with you. And it's a verse that occurs later in Matthew that explains how it is that we're forgiven. You see, the night before Jesus died, he spent some time teaching his followers. And as he was teaching them, he explained what this forgiveness thing was all about. And this actually occurs in the context of what we celebrate as communion today. But Jesus says this. He says, this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You see, it's Jesus' sacrificial blood that gives us forgiveness. Similarly, Hebrews 9 says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. That's how people who follow Jesus have been forgiven, through his blood. God loves all of us so much that he came to earth as a person to die for us, to forgive us. Who on earth do we think we are to take that forgiveness and then not give it to someone else? I actually think that it's this wrestling with forgiveness, it's this giving of forgiveness that serves as a really important indicator of whether or not we've really grasped and understood our king's offer of forgiveness to us. Because you see, if we, like the unforgiving servant, don't forgive someone else, that seems like a pretty tangible expression of the fact that we don't really get forgiveness. If you've been forgiven, you forgive. If you've taken hold of the power of forgiveness that comes through Jesus' blood, you know that it's unforgivable to not forgive. Many of you know this story, but I think it's an important reminder as we leave this morning. Many of you know that in 2015, a white supremacist walked into a black church in South Carolina, Charleston, and murdered nine people. And while our country made this a political thing, we made this a cultural thing, we talked about this till we were blue in the face. Many of us missed what happened at the trial. Because during the sentencing portion of this trial, many of the families who had lost loved ones, many of the people who were in this church who were grieving and grief-stricken came during the sentencing and they stood up and they looked into the eyes of the man who had shot and killed their family members and they said, I forgive you. Amidst the darkest, most terrible days of their lives, the people in this church got it. They got Jesus' message of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not 
optional for Christians. Forgiveness is the key. If you're here this morning, guys, you need to take hold of the forgiveness that Jesus offers you, and you need to extend forgiveness to other people. You can wrestle with forgiveness. You can struggle with it. You can ask questions about it. That's okay. You can realize that you can forgive and not forget. Yes. But at the end of the day, we have got to follow Jesus' example and forgive. It's unforgivable to not forgive rooftop because you have already been forgiven so much. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus and for his death so that we might have life. Thank you for extending us this amazing, astounding, indescribable offer of forgiveness for forgiving our billions and billions of dollars of debt with you. Help us to take hold of that forgiveness this morning and to really and truly forgive as you have forgiven us. Father, I know there are, I know the stories of so many people in here and that so many of us are wrestling with forgiveness, with who to forgive, with how, with if we can even let our wounds and hurts go. Help us to be a people, help us to be a church that surrenders the pain of our pasts embraces this radical forgiveness and love that you show us, Father. Help us to grow more and more like your son, Jesus, who has forgiven us so much and in whose name we give thanks and in whose name we ask all these things. Amen.